Just Our Real Estate, episode number 337. You'll get to the point where you're kind of like the real estate guy in your group and people start coming to you. But in the beginning, you got to be really excited about what you're doing. You can't be shy. I have people talk to me about it and like, I don't really feel comfortable like posting that stuff on my personal Facebook page. I'm like, you, if you want private money, you need to get comfortable with that. And you've got to talk about what you're doing. There's no sense in hiding it and be really excited. Because if you're really excited, they feel that. They start getting excited for you and with you and are like, man, tell me more about that. How did that guy make that much money? All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being with me. I appreciate you tuning in. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing with your time right now, and the fact that you're choosing to spend it with me is very cool. And I'm really excited to dive into today's show, but before I do that, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your business. Guys, are you taking your business where you want it to go? Is your business growing? Are you succeeding at a level that you know you can succeed at in this business? Or do you feel a little bit like you're you're struggling to get to that next level? You're struggling to get your business off the ground? Or maybe it is off the ground and you just really want to take it to a much higher level and don't know how you should do it? Well, listen, I'm here to tell you I was in that same spot at one point and I know what helped me. I want to help you if you really want to take your business to the next level or if you're just kind of getting started and you really need help understanding how to build your business, how to set up systems, how to really turn what you're doing from a job into a business that works for you instead of you working in it, I want to talk to you about it. You can give me a call if you go to my link on my website. It says, talk to me about education, right? So go to juststartrealestate.com. On the right-hand side, click on the banner that says, talk to me about education, and you can schedule a 15-minute phone conversation with me where we will go over your business, talk about it, and see if coaching would make sense for you. Guys, it made sense for me, and it makes sense for dozens and dozens of people every month who come through our coaching program and really turn their job, air quotes, job of real estate into a business that can grow and scale and support them and their family and help them get to where they want to be in life. So if you feel like you might fall into that category and you want to talk to me about what coaching can do for you, go to juststartrealestate.com on the right-hand side, click on the banner that says, talk to me about education, schedule a time to talk to me, and we'll discuss it. I'm looking forward to talking to you about your business. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you being here, and I'm excited to have my guest on. He's a two-timer now, second time he's been on, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bill Allen, who uh, is a, a former Navy pilot, which is pretty cool, and also all-around great guy, smart investor, uh, had some of the fastest meteoric rise in real estate investing that I've ever seen. And uh, he is on to share some more of his wisdom. I actually asked him to come on. I want to talk about a few things that that I think he can be very helpful and, and have a lot of good insight for. I know he has he talks about it. So anyways, not to be too mysterious, Bill, thanks for being on again. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm excited that you agreed to do it. I know you're busy running a business like I am, but it's good to have you on, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's an honor to be back again. So... Yeah, two timer. Not many people get called back for a encore. So <laughs> I must be doing something right. Exactly. Exactly. No, listen. I, you know, we both involved in coaching, and I know you get approached by a lot of people who are investors and or want to be investors, and they're asking you 
things all the time. And, and it just occurred to me, there's certain things that I get asked over and over again, and I, I answer them. And it, it's cool because I think I have a lot of good answers for them. But it's always good to have somebody on who whose opinion you respect and who's kind of been there and, and walks the walk and, and not just talk the talk and, and can come on and kind of help out with some of these, these um, common, honestly, common issues and some very fundamental things to having a real estate investing business that, that really takes off and has the ability to grow. So I really want to kind of hit a couple of big subjects, but the first one I want to talk about is private money, right? I tell people all the time, if you need if you're going to raise money, if you're house flipping specifically, but even with wholesaling when you do it at scale, if you need access to money, private money is where it starts and ends. Like you might have to start with hard money, you may have to do some other things, but private money is is without question, it's not really debatable in my opinion, it's where you want to end up because it's so flexible. There are no really you know, standard practice, so to speak, it's what you agree with with the other person, right? So, it, and it's a question I get a lot. Like, I, I want to flip houses, I want to wholesale, I, I need access to capital. How do I raise private money? And it's a very open-ended question. And there's some definitely some techniques and things that people do that they have success over and over again. But it's sort of a big question too. It's a huge question, and most people come to you after they already realize they need the money now. And it's like there's no like. 1-800... Well, maybe there is 1-800 private money. But it's like, there's no real place you just go. Because private money tends to be a relationship thing, right? So that's kind of what I want to talk about. And and there is a way... People do raise it fast sometimes, frankly. But the right way to do it and the way you're going to get the best terms and all that is kind of a longer play a lot of times. So uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. And, and I want to get your opinion. So I know you've raised a lot of private money. I get that. And, and I've raised private money. But in your opinion, if somebody approaches you and says, "Hey, Bill, I want to raise private money. I've got this business, a real estate, flipping, whatever it is. How do I raise private money?" Like, really open-ended question. How do you attack that that question? Yeah. Before I answer, I'm going to get one. I'm going to go buy one eight hundred private money. Yeah, I know. Quick, I know. So. I thought of that when I was saying it. I'm like, <laughs> this is a business. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I do. I, I you're right. I get that question a lot. So how do I raise private money? Or I'm having trouble finding finding money. And what I what I tell people, I think, is if I need it right, if I need it tomorrow, it's going to be really expensive. But if I start nurturing these relationships and building and growing those relationships with people that could be potential private money lenders in the future, it becomes a lot cheaper. So what I do is I kind of I kind of build that um, uh, build that relationship. And, and the way that I raise private money is, is people that know, like, and trust you, I think are the best people to start start out with with private money. So you, you start with kind of a, a circle that you're around. It might be family. It might be close friends. It might be, you, you'd really be surprised with, with who has, who has money in their account that you have no idea about. Um, it could be someone that's interested in real estate and, but you know, doesn't want to do a lot of the work. So maybe you partner up uh, with somebody as far as a, it could start with an equity split and then build into uh, money lending later on as you get more experience. So, I mean, it's, like you said, it's really an open-ended question. Um, I do a lot of capital raising with kind of my warm network. So as I'm meeting people, I'm building and growing a relationship with them. And then eventually it, it blooms into them loaning a company money or, or me money for deals that we're doing. It's not usually just someone that I, that I meet uh, randomly at a real estate investment club or on the street or somebody gives me a referral it's usually, you know, someone who's been watching what we're doing over time and starting to see that we're doing it well, and they start trusting us with their money. So, I, I do think the biggest part of it is it seems a lot of the people that I talk to that are newer in the investment game and haven't raised a lot of money, 
is that's their biggest roadblock is kind of how do I ask people for money? Exactly. Exactly. What, what do they say? Especially if they have no, no real track record, right? What do they say? Right. And I, I really don't like that mentality either because, I mean, you're, you're offering that person an opportunity to make money with you. So if you think of it like that, instead of like, I, I had a family member say, well, if you need some money, you know, we can get, we can, you can give you some. I said, well, if you think that I need it, then I guess I'm, we're having the wrong conversation. I don't need it. Uh, you have the opportunity to invest with us. And if, if you're interested, I can talk to you more about it. But, and, and that's, I think that's really the mindset that you have to have and break down that, that mental barrier of going after other people's money like you're stealing it. You know, you're really giving them an opportunity. And if you go into it with that mindset, I think that then you have a different conversation with them. Yeah, exactly. It goes from they're doing you a favor to you're doing them a favor, right? And I, I, you're right. You're so right. I tell people all the time, where are they going to get the kind of returns that we're in a position to give them? And I know you, at, a, at a talk you gave one time, a presentation, you were talking about, well, I'm getting 8% now, right? It's like, well, are you really getting, you know, what is your guy, you know, your, your money manager, or whatever, what is he charging you and, and, and what kind of other fees are associated with working with this person and what's your effective, you know, rate of return that you're getting? And a lot of times it's, they're not, you know, obviously getting what they think they're getting. They're getting, that's the, the, to, the gross returns or whatever, but it's certainly not after all the, the fees and things are attached to it. Yeah. And if you can, I mean, once you're talking, if you're talking to somebody in that kind of, conversation, you're already to the point where they're starting to get interested in wondering what kind of rates you can offer and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really in a very soft sell kind of mindset when I talk to people on investing. I go into it with, and I think it's great that we're having this conversation because just last night I had a meeting about this and I haven't, I haven't raised money in a, in a while just because we, we basically have enough for what we're doing. But I'm always wondering, you know, we always could use a little bit extra on the bench or, you know, just have somebody that we can call. And I'm constantly nurturing those relationships. But it has been a while since I had one of these meetings. And I, I had one just last night, which is awesome that we're doing this today. So I got to kind of hone my skills and have this exact conversation with somebody last night who knew nothing about, you know, they knew what we were doing, but they didn't know anything about investing with a, in real estate like this. Okay. Well, that, that's awesome, actually. Let, let's talk about that a little bit, Bill. How'd that conversation go? How'd it start? Yeah. So this is a family member who has seen what we're doing and knows other people in the family who are investing with us. So it's almost like, you know, they're already kind of interested and wondering what it's all about and what's going on. So they kind of said, well, hey, we're getting close to retirement. And we're interested in doing something like this when we get there and come to find out, you know, they have some IRAs and 401ks and things like that that could be self-directed. So they had no idea they could even do anything like that. They thought they'd have to pull their money out to invest uh, with, you know, major charges and fees and and paying tax and stuff like that. So, you know, I just kind of sat down and talked to them about what their options are with their, you know, IRAs and 401ks and how different people might structure it and then how we use their money in the company. And basically uh, broke it down into the different options. And at no time am I saying, here's, here's what we offer. You know, this is what we do. It's, this is what some people do. This is what other people's, people do. I think the key with raising private money is you have to find what they, what they want and what they need. Like, what is their comfort level? Do they need to be really secure? Or are they willing to take a little bit more risk? And then the returns can kind of dictate that. It's the same as anybody that's been investing their whole life in the stock market. You know, um, you take a little bit more risk, you might have a little bit better return. So 
the conversation that I had with them was, this is kind of, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And maybe I want to, you want me to get into more detail than that. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's do it. I, I, what I was going to ask okay. you was like, what, what are the options? What types of things do you lay out for them to think about? So the first conversation that I have is I just kind of break down, here's what you can do inside of an IRA or 401k. What I find is most people, that's kind of where, that's really where their biggest investing capital is. A lot of people don't have one hundred and fifty dollars or $200,000 sitting in a checking account. Um, most of them have a lot of money saved up in retirement plans. So no, kind of knowing what an I, a self-directed IRA or 401k could do for you and going through that process yourself. And that, so I started by going through that process to see what I had to do to get my money into a self-directed IRA and 401k. And then I can show them my blueprint and let them go do it themselves or help them through the process because I've done it. Not required. You can find a great uh, IRA custodian who can hold their hand through the process and, and, and that helps. So that's kind of the first conversation I have is, you know, where, where's your money and kind of what are we talking about here? Because I don't want to get into a whole two hour conversation with somebody that has $15,000 in their bank account and it's just not, not a good fit, right? It's like that seller that calls who, you know, wants $100,000 over retail. Um, you can talk to them for a while, but I'd rather get, when the phone beeps in, I'd rather get on a different call. So, so I start kind of, kind of start there. Hey, what are you thinking? And then I move into what we could do with it. So basically it goes down to two different ways. We can, if somebody wants a more secure investment, we typically attach it to a mortgage on the property or some states, a deed of trust, just kind of depending on what state you're in. And that just gives them a first position or second position mortgage on the property, depending on you know, what you're going to do with their money and how much they're bringing to the table. So I talk about that. And, and then I also talk about uh, just on a promissory note, which is basically just an investment into the company where it's secured to the company. The company is basically, it's a, I owe you some money. You're going to wire it to my checking account and I'm going to use it as I see fit for whatever term that we dictate and, and rate. And then it's, and then I, I go even further from that. So you got to secure it an unsecure investment. And then from there, we talk about kind of monthly payments, quarterly payments, um, an annual balloon payment. And then what kind of term are they looking for? How many years are they looking to invest? Are they short term or long term? Um, could it go into a rental property or does it need to go into a quick flip that we're doing in three to six months? And we kind of just go down this little, the different paths, depending on what they're thinking. And if somebody's unsure, I just talk about all the different options that we have. And then I say, well, you guys go talk about it and see what's best for you. And maybe you want to do a little bit of each, or we can figure something out. And, and then typically the conversation goes to like last night, well, what returns are you offering? Like, what's the percentage rate? Uh, well, what percentage rate do you want? Yeah. That's that's huge. That's a that's a key kind of turn around the question moment for sure. Absolutely, because you know, and that that could shut down the conversation right there. If if I said three percent, they they would their ears would have turned off. If I said fifteen percent, they would have got really excited and signed anything that I gave them possibly. So, um, and really, you want it to be a win win. I mean, obviously, I want the money as cheap as possible, but I also want them to be happy because I want them to continue to invest with us. So, if I can afford it, I'll usually. I usually meet them somewhere, but it's still kind of a negotiation. So now it's kind of one of those salesy questions, but do you try hard to make them tell you what they want before you offer something? I use a lot of the techniques that you would in sales too. So I might throw out what most people are getting or some other people they might know are getting or, um, you know, and kind of, 
set that set that kind of point that I want to be close to. So I might say something around like six percent if I want to maybe somewhere around eight or or seven or six. But I you know I really don't I really don't care what they say. If they say eighteen percent, I'm going to say okay. Well, I'll put you on the list that I have. In, and the the other conversation I have is I say look these days I say if I'm going to bring your money in. I'm going to take somebody else's money out. So you're going to replace a higher, um, a higher interest investor. A lot of the people that are listening to this probably don't have that conversation because it might be their first close on a private money lender. And at that point for me, if it's my first deal, like I, I just want to, I want to get it done. I want to show them that I can do it. And I'll tell you right now, I still pay high rates. If I need money tomorrow for a deal and we're not going to do the deal unless I have to pay 18% and that's the only guy that I have, He's his phone is going to ring. So um, that's huge because so you did mention that when you when you gave your presentation, if you need money tomorrow, you're probably going to end up paying a little more for that money. If you need money in three months, you're going to pay a lot less. So you do pay for the convenience of speed. And, and again, you know, it kind of goes down goes boils down to um, your what are your options, right? If you have no other options, the eighteen percent guy's going his phone's going to ring, like you said. If if you have him and the guy who said I'll take eight or ten, obviously you know the eighteen percent guy is not going to get the phone ring. Yeah, and I think that that's it's just something that you have to get in in your head. Another thing that I that I learned over time is that sometimes if you offer a really high interest rate, it seems like it's like too good to be true sometimes. So some investors, I mean, somebody who you're talking to who's used to getting three or four percent. I mean, I made some comments last night. It's like. Oh, that's a lot better than we're getting in the money market account right now, which is 0.1%. Even when I said 4%, I said 4% at one point. And it was like, oh, that, that's pretty good. On And because, you know, sometimes the way I talk about some of this stuff is, is if, you're, if you're in the stock market, you have these volatile, the, these risky stocks, these like high growth stocks that pay a larger return, but they also have these ups and downs and there's a higher risk of losing your money. And then you've got bonds. Right, which are government backed, so they should be pretty solid. Um, but it's just almost like a fixed rate; it doesn't move very much. But it's only in like the one to two percent range. So what I try to do is relate what we're doing to what they what they know, which is stocks and bonds. So you know, I talk about a lot of times the kind of investor that you're investing in is not a. I'm not a new investor. I'm not brand new. I feel like I'm I'm seasoned. The kind of deals that we're getting are really good. The leverage that we use on each property, they're only loaning about 50% LTV, 60% maybe. And when I can keep you around there, the risk level really goes down. And when that's the case, this is almost more, and we put, let's say we also slap a mortgage on it. It's like almost more like a bond than it is a stock. Yeah, for sure. You, you brought up something really important that I was going to bring up if you didn't. Sometimes you said if you if you know if you tell a person you'll give them fifteen percent, like they'll be ready to sign right then and there. You're right. Sometimes not because people have been heard for their whole life, especially older people. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And then you start talking about fifteen, sixteen percent. They're used to getting 0.3. It sounds too good to be true. You're almost like you could have them kind of going down the path of being comfortable. You throw out fifteen percent, and I know you told my dad that fifteen percent. He'd walk away. He'd go scam. This is this sounds scammy, you know. So we think as investors, like we can pay fifteen percent. So it's like, hey, we'll pay fifteen percent. Let's just sign it now because that's a great rate. Some people you'll stop them in the tracks. It just sounds too good. They're not used to even hearing numbers that high when it isn't like a volatile stock, right? Where yeah, you get fifty percent or your money disappears. One of the two, right? 
So it, it gets a little bit um, shaky sometimes. But this kind of goes back to you. You also mentioned a, a while back, or maybe it was in a conversation we had, talking about you. You're not necessarily looking for super sophisticated real estate people, or you know, you, unsophisticated people are kind of where you want to be when you're talking to investors. Why is that? So if if you're asking me for money for my IRA or 401k, and I'm used to getting you know, massive returns from my flips, and that's where I'm using the majority of my money, I'm not going to be interested in 8%, 10%, even 12%, even points and some, you know, depending on who the investor is. And if you call up, you know, Warren Buffett, and you offer a, a private money loan at 8%, he's not going to it's probably not going to pick up the phone anyway, but um, th- you know, pe- people that are just used to getting really high returns are probably not your target market. And it doesn't really have to be like I think I've used the word unsophisticated a lot when I'm talking to people, but it's really just kind of the regular Joe mom and pop investors that have been in the stock market for a long time, and you're kind of opening their eyes up to something different. And I use the word diversification a lot when I talk to people like that. Is you know, why don't we just try something out in real estate? So, you know, try something with me. We'll move a little bit of money over there, see how it works for you. If you like it, we'll do more. I mean, it's basically just like another money manager trying to, you know, get a little piece and then he shows them a good return and then they invest more. But I really, I do think it's important that you, you look at your target investor because if you're at a RIA meeting and these guys are flipping houses and they're doing hard money loans, it's going to be a high interest rate. You're not going to get the kind of, family, friends type rate that you would get in a warm network. Even people who have been in the stock market and are day trading and, you know, they have a history of making a lot of money with their investments. They're looking for ROI. We got people that are just, some people are just really happy if they could get 6%, you know, and that, that's kind of, that's kind of who you're looking for if you're, if you're really trying to get the rates down low. Yeah. And I think unsophisticated, maybe just say, like you said, average investor, right? People who are used to, you know, getting the the one, two, maybe 3% if they're lucky, if they're lucky, right? They're never, they're never seeing that. Let's talk a little bit about who you're borrowing money from in, in terms, and I'm leading you a little bit because I kind of know your feelings on this, but somebody comes, I come to you and say, Bill, I want to invest money with you, right? So we start talking about options and I, and you say, Hey, just out of curiosity, where's this money coming from? What's it earmarked for? What have you been using? I go, well, Listen, I worked for 30 years. I saved $50,000. I have no money in the bank. I have $50,000. Here you go. Come on, make me some money here. Let's let's really turn this into a lot of money. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's that's it's probably not going very far with me. I got to make sure the conversation that I have and that's one thing that I didn't bring up in that conversation was kind of where is this money coming from? Uh, do you have an emergency fund? Um, what happens tomorrow if you're if a hurricane rolls through and your roof comes off, I mean, we got a lot of that going on right now. So it's a big question for the, these people. And and usually the answer is, no, this is just my investment money. This is kind of play money where I'm trying to make a bigger return on it. And then you, you've got these guys like, like that, just a desperate investor. It, and it's not a get rich quick scheme for the private money lender. I mean, even at 10% on $50,000 is only $5,000 a year. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not doubling or tripling his money overnight. And you've really got to set the expectations with your with your lender too, that you know this is kind of, this is what it looks like. Here's here's the returns that you can expect. Let's talk about what that is. And you know so, sometimes you just have to say no to people like that. And we, we I I dig into their once we get that conversation going. I know how much it is. I know kind of what their goals. And that's really what the beginning conversation is. Like I talked about, how much are you thinking of investing? Where's it coming from? What are your goals with this money? 
you know, how soon would you need it back? Are you going to, if, if you have, you know, somebody uh, death in the family and you need to fly somewhere, do you need this to, to buy a plane ticket? Or is this just something that um, goes into another accountant and it's just for investments and you guys are fine making those payments. And the conversation that I have with them is it, it's possible if you need this money back down the road that, you know, inside of this term that we write up that I could do it, but there's no guarantee it might be in a property, which is pretty illiquid at that time. So totally. Okay. So that, I mean, that's all awesome conversation and stuff to have while you're sitting there at the table with the person. Let's roll it back a little bit and let's start over and, and talk about where are some of the places that you go to start at, use the word prospecting. It sounds so salesy, but where do you start thinking about where you're going to go and look for that private money? Like what vehicles can people use to try to put out the word that they want private money or they need or they're, you know, not need, but you know, whatever, you know, you have this opportunity for them. Where do you start that process? Yeah, there, there's a lot of caveats to this stuff that I'm about to talk about. So there's a lot of, the SEC regulates all this. Yeah. You're not an SEC lawyer. You're not a securities lawyer for sure. Disclaimer there, guys. Don't, this is all just for entertainment purposes or I don't know, whatever you want to (laughs) say. Yeah. I I mean, I, I just throw that out there because you, you just got to be careful on what you say and where you put it out there and who you're saying it to. So I know what I do and I know kind of the box that I keep myself in, um, in talking to some of these securities lawyers, but I raise a ton of money on Facebook and I really think today social media has come. It's like, it's, it's given us the opportunity to connect with people from all over. And so what I do is, and I, I, the way I talk about it is, it's, it's kind of a long game. You know, I'm kind of just putting out there what I'm doing and then eventually it's, and maybe showing some of the returns that previous and, you know, past, uh, returns that I have. So, um, and then just put the word, Hey, we're buying a couple houses this month. If anybody's interested in having a conversation about investing with us or partnering with us, then give me a call or send me a message or whatever. Here's my email. And that's usually where a lot of the conversations come in. Um, in the beginning, so you got a lot of people that are just getting going that listen to the podcast and are looking for maybe their first money lender. My first money lenders were kind of uh, family and friends, so closer people that knew what I was doing. Um, I was using my own money in the beginning. I was doing some flips or I had some rentals, and then you know I I had some uh, I I talked to some family members and said you know hey, would you be interested in in doing something together. And I also, uh, I also used a, a 50-50 partner in the beginning to kind of get going and get some traction and get some, some experience and some history behind me to then go out and raise money and really bring down the rates. So I think, I think Facebook is great. I think your warm network, your family. Um, one recommendation that I would have is everybody has these kind of different networks, right? So maybe you went to high school with some people. And then, then you went to college, and then maybe you played a, played on a sport, or you, you did something after college. Maybe that first office job that you had. Um, I, a lot of people, I think, find uh, money in a, a work setting. Like I've heard a lot of firefighters and, and policemen and and military guys that um, can talk to some different people there that may have some investment. And so, what I would do if I was newer is I would kind of write down these different groups of people. And then I would write down some names in those groups of people and I would just kind of reach out to them. And I, w- I certainly wouldn't make a call and say, hey, this is uh, I'm, I'm, in- I'm raising some money. Let's have a conversation about money. I would just catch up with them and talk to them about what you're doing. And any chance that you get kind of give your little elevators p- pitch or talk about what you're doing, whether it's on Facebook or in person. And then usually 
it comes to a point where I say, you know, I also work with private money lenders and I'm, I'm looking to raise some capital for some of these deals. So if you ever know somebody who's interested, might be interested in doing something like that, pass my number to them or let me know. And the subtitle of that is, if you're interested in investing with me, then give me a call. And a lot of times it turns into that. So in person, your different networks, your kind of warm network, you, you know these people, they know you, they, they, hopefully they like you, they should trust you, um, and they definitely know you. Depends so, on the context of the relationship. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Don't call that person. So yeah, exactly. um, know, like, and trust, I think it, that's, that's, like the, that's where you should start. And then from there, once you get some experience, you can kind of branch out from there. But I'm still not like, I'm still not like sending letters to, to lenders in our area. I'm still not doing any of that stuff. It's kind of all just word of mouth, friends, family. Yeah, it's a good point, Bill. And I tell people a lot too. People don't lend money to companies. They lend money to people, right? I've gotten money from private lenders that probably should have loaned it to other people if it was all based on track record and the, you know, how impressive their their portfolio was or whatever. But they just like for whatever reason, they just like me more than the other guy, right? Or whatever the case, but they, they loan it to people. So thinking that you have to have this track record and these great spreadsheets, it doesn't hurt, but by and large, you know the the relationship has more to do with whether or not you're going to get that 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 loan or have that relationship with them than than a very sophisticated spreadsheet or or prospectus or whatever it is for your for your business. So I, I agree totally. And people come and go. Well, I need private money. I don't have any friends or family with money, but I need it by the end of the week. So I've got a deal. It's like, well, private money is typically a longer play than that. You know, that's what hard money is for. I need it by the end of the week or whatever. But Private money is typically a longer, um, a longer play. So, so you talked about Facebook. That's cool. Tell me a little bit about. You mentioned an elevator uh, pitch, and I, I don't want to put you too much on the spot. You don't need to give me verbatim, but kind of give me an idea of what an elevator pitch might be for somebody. You run into somebody you you knew them in college or whatever. Their past colleague used to work with. What are you up to now? You know this person has money or access to it. Whatever you want to give them that elevator speech. What kind of a thing do you say to them? Yeah, I think if I was. If I was newer and getting going and somebody, I, I would just say, I'm really excited about what you know, me, maybe me and my wife have going on. We just created this LLC. We got our first flip under contract where, you know, we just rehabbed it and sold it and we're looking for more of those. And, and my, my pitch there would probably be, we had a private money lender on that deal that made $4,000 in three months and say, man, I, I just, that's impressive. And then just talk about how excited I am about it. And when people feel that passion of what you're doing, especially if you, you know, this is not, this is somebody that knows you is like, man, that, that sounds awesome. And then usually it goes to TV and then maybe I reel them back in with, um, it's not, it's not really like that, but my, I mean, my pitch is really just, I, I don't use anything crazy. Uh, and if somebody's talking to me, I just, they ask, and now it's kind of, you'll get to the point where you're kind of like the real estate guy in your group and people start coming to you. But in the beginning, you got to be really excited about what you're doing. You can't be shy. I've had people talk to me about it and like, I don't really feel comfortable like posting that stuff on my personal Facebook page. And I said, I'm like, you, if you want private money, you need to get comfortable with that. And you've got to talk about what you're doing. There's, there's no sense in hiding it um, and be really excited. Because if you're really excited, people, they feel that. They feel the energy. They start getting excited for you and with you and are like, man, tell me more about that. How did that guy make that much money? And then you just, that's how the conversation gets going. And I never, I, I, I never ask. You got to let, kind of let them kind of reel them in a little bit and hang, hang the carrot out there. 
and see if they're interested. And if they're not, it's going to be obvious. They change the subject or do something else, then, you know, it, no problem. So that, I, that's kind of how I, I handle it. I just kind of get excited. And, and if, you're, if you're excited, you know, wear it on your sleeve and talk about it. Some people are like, you know, they'll wear shirts around. They'll do all kinds of stuff. But yeah. Totally. But but you're right. I think the biggest, I mean, for me, one of the biggest takeaways, especially looking back over the years and, and raising money and just talking to people who raise money is it's about just talking about what you do, talking about it all the time, making sure everyone knows. Don't hide it. Don't make it this big secret. Don't say no one's interested, so I'm not going to talk about it. Just talk about it because you don't know a lot of times where the opportunity is going to come to invest or people who are going to come to you who have money that you didn't even know they had money, but they want to invest. It, but it, you can't make the it, the secret. Like a lot of people I talk to who are starting a business, they go, "Well, I don't want to tell anybody until I'm really successful. Then I'll tell everybody. Because until then, I don't. I'm I'm like I'm not embarrassed, but like I'm nervous. And I'm, what if I don't do a good job? Well, if once you're already successful, anyone can raise money. It's it's just easy when you don't need it, right? Then it's easy to raise money. But when you're kind of new, you ha- the only really thing you have to present is your excitement, your enthusiasm, and to be very open about what you're doing. Because the reality is that people do watch these shows on TV. And even though they're kind of a train wreck, people get excited to get involved, right? And, th- and maybe they're not involved like in the flip, but they loan the money. So they can go tell their buddies you know, around the, the water cooler, ah, I've got some money in real estate. I'm, where I'm kind of involved in this flip I'm doing. And they're not doing anything, but they feel like they're involved because their money's involved. So don't underestimate how cool it is what you're doing to people who aren't doing it and how much they want to be involved in something like that so they can talk about being involved in it. So, you know, just don't hide it. Don't make it a the secret that you won't tell anybody. You know, you mentioned that water cooler and that's that just that's a perfect example of how that happens. This kind of brush fire starts catching a wildfire because they'll start talking about what what they're making in real estate with you and next thing you know, they're like how how do I get to do that? And then you you'll get that call from you know uh, cousin Sally or you know the the brother of the guy who is investing with you and stuff like that and 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 that's what happens and so really you know and it's all kind of organic over uh, time so yeah, yeah it's amazing exactly right. too once you get that brush fire or you find a couple of people who talk to a few people it's not like we have to raise depending on where you live but you know you don't need ten million dollars I mean you you find you know ten people who have hundred fifty thousand dollars that'll keep you going for quite some time in most states right so it, it really is funny how it works sometimes and it is a little bit of a balancing act especially once you have a little bit more experience and maybe you raise some money I know you've talked about it I've talked about it I can go from having almost a half million dollars in my account of, of unsecured money and going wow I got I need to get some properties under contract that money's just sitting there and then all of a sudden like I'm calling someone saying hey I need a hundred thousand dollars by the end of the week right it's like it's these weird, wild swings in the amount of money that we have. And it's it's always kind of a balancing act. So I tell people, you should always be in money raising mode. Even if you're not like desperate or active, like calling people every day, always sort of be in that mode. So you're you're always sort of at least passively putting it out there, the the subtext or whatever, like you said, of 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 looking for money. Because once you raise a million dollars and you go, I'll never never re- need to raise any more money, right? You get a million dollars at 10%, guess what? Try to find a million dollars at 5% so you can replace the 10% money. So you're still raising money, not necessarily to get more all the time, but to get better rates. Because think about it, your profits go up when your rates go down. So you want to always get better rates and better terms. So yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, you need to be always out there talking and kind of in that in that money raising mode, especially as the owner of the company. It's, it's something that's a little bit more difficult to delegate. 
um, because it's a relationship thing, right? So like people have asked me before, you have private lenders, like just see if you can get me money for my flip. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Like they're my lender. First of all, I wouldn't do that. But second of all, they gave me money, not my company or not the concept. They gave me money. They're not just going to give you money because they gave me money, right? It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Do you have Do you have any private lenders, or do you know any private lenders that? Yeah, I know them. No, you can't have their number. <laughs> yeah, I could get a hundred thousand dollars by tomorrow morning, but I, I, you can't because you don't know yeah. the person. They don't know you. They don't have any trust there. And so, I wouldn't feel comfortable bridging that gap either. You know, I'm not going to borrow it from them and loan it to you. It's just that's uh, not the way to go. Yeah, super unethical. Like that's definitely not the way to go. You know. I, and I, I don't know if you want to change subject or, or what, but one thing that we didn't talk about here, and I get a lot in private money, is well, I got like five people that only have like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. I can't, don't really feel like I can do anything with that. Or what's your lower limit? You know, I get these questions a lot. So if you're in the beginning, like we've talked about, and, but and they want some security. That's like the hardest question to answer sometimes. Is I got ten people with twenty thousand dollars, and they all want first position mortgage on my $150,000 flip, you know, and it just doesn't work that way. But there's, there are some ways that you can go about that. Um, if you have a, a group of people that know each other, they could, uh, and what, what I've talked to people about before is you guys can start an LLC, put all of that money in the LLC, and then the LLC can loan it to my company on in first position. So um, there's some creative ways that you can raise money with people that don't have a lot. Let them it, in the, like for me, if I did that, I would make them do the work. You know, hey, you guys set it up, but I'm also not in dire need of it. But you know, in the beginning, you could show them how to do it. Hey, set up this LLC. You guys have got five partners. Everybody brings twenty thousand dollars. We put a hundred thousand dollar mortgage on this house that we're doing at whatever rate you agree on. So there's some there's some creative and cool ways to do do things, or they could lend it unsecured, like we talked about, if they're comfortable with that. So yeah, anyway. I think it's typically a little easier to borrow money unsecured when they're low amounts like that because you can just take it from a bunch of different people. You felt the paperwork once, and then hopefully you have that money for at least a year. It's not the end of the world, but I know it gets to, you get to, so it's like a good problem, right? You get to the point where it's not worth your the time and the headache to fill out the paperwork for twenty or thirty thousand dollars. Great, that means you you don't really need money desperately, or you're in a kind of a good position. But um, it's always easier unsecured, like you said. You can't, you know, ten people with a hundred with ten thousand dollars want to have first position. It's never going to happen, right? It's just it's just never going to happen unless they put it in an LLC and, and do it as a group. Yeah, and that's the conversation I have with them in the beginning when they're talking about how much they have. Because then I don't even need to talk about a mortgage if they're only going to loan twenty five or thirty thousand dollars. It's very rare that I'm going to have the ability to put a mortgage on a property that cheap. So, um, so when I have those conversations with them, uh, then it just goes down the unsecured route. So here's your option with that kind of money, and um, that's where it goes. So awesome. Well, let's change gears a hundred percent here. Let's get off the topic of private money for a moment, and let's just talk about. Building your business, building a real estate business, especially as a new investor. Specifically, so the problem that I always hear when I talk to new investors, inevitably, their number one problem is leads, always. That's just the problem that they have, right? Everyone can sort of figure out what to do once you get a lead, or at least that part of it is a little easier. But I think the hump or you know, the big goose you're trying to get off the ground is is driving leads into their company that they can turn into a flip or a wholesale dealer or whatever the case may be. So for someone who's starting out in, in real estate or they're they're they maybe they're just not getting traction because they're struggling, right? They're looking on the MLS, I can't find any deals. What options do people have when maybe they have limited 
budget in the beginning, you know, maybe no budget or just a limited budget. And they're trying to find leads enough so that they can actually get their business off the ground. And I know this is a, a tough question, right? It's kind of like a if you had both hands tied behind your back and your legs were cut off and somebody threw you in the ocean, like, how do you swim? You're making it tough. I mean, you're kind of painting yourself into a corner, but what what would you suggest to that person other than find a different business? <laughs> well, first, I would say um, if you need some marketing money, you might want to raise some uh, unsecured private money like we just talked about to fund your marketing from the beginning. Um, now, be, I'll throw out a be very careful with that. So um, you have to you know, be very careful with where that money's coming from and, you know, make sure you can pay it back. But, you know, if you're already running a, a successful business or have some deals under your belt, I think that's, that could be a good option to figure out where the money comes from. Now, if I'm broke and I have no money, the, the other question that I would have for this person is, do you have time or do you also have no time? Because, I mean, that's really going to drive what you can do. Because if I'm broke and I don't have any time because I work 12 hours a day, then you do need to find another business. Yeah, I totally agree but, with that. But I think if you can if you can hustle and grind and work on these leads, there's some ways to generate some leads. Um, I think you know we don't use bandit signs in in our business right now for uh, for leads like motivated seller leads coming in. But that's definitely uh, one of the less expensive ways that gets the phone ringing and gets leads coming in immediately. Um, I think driving for dollars, just going around to you know, different areas and even, even just door knocking or, or write, just write down the addresses and handwrite some, some letters. I did that. I was looking for some uh, land in Pensacola beach. And I, I just looked at, uh, some vacant, vacant land down there, found out who the owners were of all these different vacant sites. And I just wrote them a little handwritten letter. And I, I think my callback was like 80%. Oh, wow. I mean, Cause no one insane. else is doing it. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they, they never, they, they didn't get, but it was also just very personal. It was a, uh, it was a letter. It's just said, Hey, me and my family are looking for a, a lot down at Pensacola beach. Um, and I had a lady call me and say, well, I'm not selling, but I know this other person that has one and she's really, one. Well, it's just wanted to talk, you know? So, um, and this is, you know, I was answering my own phones and I had a very limited budget on six. I, I sent, I sent direct mail for six months. I sent a thousand letters every month for six months and I got no deals. And I thought that that would be enough. I thought a thousand letters in our market, which is pretty small in the area. And I focused on a specific area that I wanted to be. And I got, I got no deals. And we all, I was really close on like one or two and got nothing. So, um, I, I know that struggle. Um, I think to me personally, I think that you need to cast a pretty wide net to get deals. We, the best thing, if in that first thousand that I sent out, if I got a deal and I could up my budget, I would. It would have. It would have been good for me. You know, we would have gotten that deal. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you go six months without getting a deal. So, I, I'm kind of skirting your question a little bit. It no, seems, I mean you, you're answering it kind of, but the, you're kind of being honest about something that people don't necessarily like hearing. And I'll be honest with you, I I didn't. I had a different. I had a different um, experience when I started doing direct mail. I send out 800 pieces a month. And my first two months, within my first two months, I got a deal that netted me $15,000. Oh, but yeah. I I rolled all of that money, basically, into marketing going forward. And then when I got my next deal, I rolled all of that. Now, 
the the caveat to that is I had a successful house flipping business and I was sort of starting a wholesaling side of it where I, I was not used to doing the, the the direct marketing. But bottom line, I didn't need the money that I was making from those wholesaling deals. So I kept just rolling in it. So I snowballed fast, but I didn't I didn't do a thousand so I got lucky, I guess, is what it boils down to. I got a little bit lucky and there's some of that in there. But I agree with you. If you don't have if you don't have money, you gotta have a lot of time. And if you're gonna do direct marketing you sort of there's sort of a threshold and it's not always the same in every single city. If you're in LA, you know, maybe you need to send out 10,000 pieces, I don't know. If you're in some other, you know, maybe a little more rural or a little less less hot or a little less competitive, maybe you can do it with a couple thousand, but point is you, you need to do something fairly significant when you're doing direct marketing. Like you said you did a thousand and and it just didn't go anywhere. I got really lucky, but I hear people all the time say Oh, I just I tried direct marketing, it doesn't work. And I go, well, what did you do? I sent out 500 postcards one month, and I go, great. What what'd you do the next month? Well, nothing. It didn't work. It's like, well, you didn't really give it very long, and you weren't really putting that much out there to actually get results from. So, you said something that is that's very important that I think I want to I want to just dig into that a little bit. You rolled all of your money back into marketing, and and. And it snowballed into this company that you run now, which is extremely, extremely successful. When I started doing deals, I had a full-time job. I did not need any of the money that I was making from our wholesaling business. And I am, it's been a year and a half, and I'm just starting to pull money out of the company now that I left the, the active duty side of the Navy. So what you're seeing here is... It, for me, like your wholesaling business, I think was this little, it was like a side project where you were just dumping more money in and fueling this fire. Where What I see a lot of times is you, and people look at it two ways. You say, okay, well, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to go all into this, but you still got to live on some of that money. So you've got to make, and it becomes stressful. And a lot of times that can work, but the other side of it is, you know, we see, I see a lot of successful people that say, or, or people that say, how can you do this with a full-time job? Well, the stress comes off at that point. And you have the ability to really you know, ramp things up really fast by dumping money back in. And that's how I was able to grow my company as fast as I did and, and get to where we are now, where now I could start taking a salary and taking money out of the company. So um, I just want to point that out because I think that that's really important. When you set up this budget, you've got to keep in mind where this money is going to go. So if you're counting on a deal to come in the first month or two, and it doesn't, and then your 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 chips are gone, then you, you got to be careful. So you know the different marketing channels that we talked about were uh, direct mail can be expensive if you go big. Online advertising very very expensive if you don't have money, you're probably not doing that. And then the smaller the forms of of marketing that are cheaper like driving for dollars or you know very targeted direct mail or knocking on doors or the high workload stuff. So. Totally. I agree. I, I agree. And, I, you know, it's so important. And people talk a little, you know, the, people get a lot of credit for saying, oh, I quit my job. You know, I'm starting this business. I quit my job. I'm all in. And I get it. It takes guts to do that. And you burn the ships and there's some value to that. But there is something to be said. And, and I really did this years ago when I worked full time. And I mean, like people talk about like overnight, like Overnight success, right? You're an overnight success. You just start taking money out after after a year and a half or two years or whatever. You said, I worked a full time job and I was like climbing through potential flip properties at like eight o'clock at nine o'clock at night in the pitch dark with a flashlight in a basement of a house that's had nobody living in it for six months. God knows who's squatting. Like I was spending 
from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. in the dark going through houses for years before I quit my job because you're right. I didn't want the stress of, I have a mortgage, I have kids, I have a wife, I have all these things. I wanted to try to generate some money and be able to roll the profits back into the business without, like you said, okay, I've got $5,000. I'm going to spend it month one. If I don't get a deal, I'm out of business. Like That's no way to do it. right? So yeah. keeping that, that day job until you have some level of success or so that you can... You know, you talk about ramping up fast. Well, yeah, if you can roll all the profits into, into marketing and then the next deal, all those profits go into marketing, like you can really accelerate the growth of your business. But if you need 5,000 of the 7,000 that you made on a deal, it's going to go a little slower. And you're out of business month to month if you don't get a deal or two in. So anyway, it's a good point. And some people get a little too excited about everyone quit their job. Let's round of applause. And it it is cool and it's exciting. But man, sometimes it's a little scary. Sometimes I get nervous when I talk to people and go, I've never done a deal. I want to do this. I quit my job. It's like, whoa, you know, I hope you don't have a wife and kids. No, I got a wife and kids and a mortgage. Like, whoa. You also talked about consistency. And I think that's one of the most important things is if you're inconsistent, your deal flow will be inconsistent. You'll market, you'll stop marketing, you'll get a deal, you'll stop marketing, you'll sell the deal, you'll make money. And then you'll go, I have no, I have no deals. So you'll, you'll put the money back in. So I mean, our, our mail and our marketing, it, it goes out every week. If we don't we don't miss a week. Christmas, you're getting the postcard. Like I I really don't. It, and that was the biggest uh, lesson that I learned. So if you're going to come up with a marketing plan, it cannot be one month long. You know, I, I recommend a minimum six months. It took me three to four months to get a deal, um, even when I was spending a lot of money. So and that was, that was my, my, it took me, I spent money for three months straight. And then we finally got a deal in month four when I really started ramping this up. So any marketing you'll know, and you know, we were talking about private money lending. That's not, uh, you know, immediate. You'll see results over time. The more people you talk to, the more touches, same thing. All of this stuff is the same. So really, you know, be realistic with that marketing plan. Um, and, and don't think that, and if you get a deal in month one, great, like that's nothing better than that. But if you don't, don't get discouraged. Totally. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I, I think you know raising money and, and driving leads into your business is pretty much the business, right? I mean, if you're a wholesaler building your buyer's list, I would put in, in there with the top three things that you're always doing. But um, that, that's the whole business. All the, all the stuff in between, you, you know, how do you go talk to a seller and the salesmanship? Like that's, that's all the stuff in between. But honestly, if you're not getting leads, nothing else matters. It, it just doesn't. If you're a flipper and you're not raising money, nothing else matters. You don't have the money to buy anything. So those are like the pillars of, of in my opinion, the pillars of, of real estate investing is just leads and money. Like that drives everything, right? But then that's, that's always the big question too. When people are new, like, how do I get leads and how do I raise money? That's the, those are the two questions I get all the time. It's not, you know, some of the mechanics you get, but it, it's always the big stuff. Like I don't, I don't have any leads. Well, you don't have a business then, right? I mean, you haven't, you, you know, you can't have a business without leads. So yeah, I, I agree. Time or money. It's really helpful if you have both, but if you don't have either, it's sad. And you know, it's not like the, it's not the PC response, but you just don't have much of a shot in this business if you don't have time or money. And if you don't have money and you can't, Get a deal, or raise it, or or figure out a way to get your hands on money. It's it's tough to have long you know longevity in this. It's tough to be around for a long time. So, but that that's awesome, man. Any other any other things? Any other advice? New people? Anything that you're holding back on, Bill? You're the you're the maestro. 
everyone comes to you for advice. So what, what are the stuff you hear about people talking, people asking you, like, what are your common that you have to talk to people about? Well, you know, I think newer people, we're, we're talking about it. It's, it's, you know, where does the deal come from and where does the money come from? And, and, you know, we, we talked about private money a lot, but there's, there's plenty of hard money lenders out there too that, and 50, 50 JV partners. So if, if you don't, I, I tell a lot of people, if you've got a deal and you have no, and you got, you've got tons of time, but you don't have any money, there's plenty of people that have a lot of money and don't have any time that, you know, they, and they and they may be looking for a big cut of the deal, 50, 50 split, but do it. It's a great way to learn and get started. And, and I did it for like six or seven deals, you know, getting funded like that. So, um, that's, that's pretty much what people talk, you know, in the group that we're in, I, we get a lot more kind of uh, different questions of, uh, hiring and managing and stuff. But, um, I really think that you nailed the, the big picture, what you need for me, I'm not in the day to day stuff anymore in the company, but I look at how many phone calls are we getting? How many appointments are we going on? How many contracts are we getting? How, how well are the contracts selling and how am I going to fund the deals that we're flipping and we're buying? So, and how do I make payroll? So money and leads and the, that kind of funnel of leads that come in. So, um, and how well is it performing? So that's, I don't, I, I don't have much more. I think just the overall mindset of, you know, m- finding money is not hard. It, it really isn't. And I, I, I guarantee everybody listening who's shaking their head, this guy's full of crap. You go out there and you sign that first note or mortgage with somebody that's a private money lender and it will just open your eyes up to, you'll just be able to talk to people easier. Just talk to them, you know? Hey, what are you, what are you looking for? And have a conversation and just find out what they, what they want. If they want 18%, say, if I get a deal that can support that one day, can I call you? And now, and then put, you know, put them on your list and there you go. You know that guy wants 18%. And when you got a deal that can support 18%, you need the money, then give them a call. And you got somebody that's at 12 and it doesn't work on this one, but it'll work on another one, then then call them. I got a list of those people because sometimes I get one, I got to close in five days and I don't have any money and I got to call those people. So Yeah, totally. Um, awesome, man. Well, listen, I, I've taken about an hour of your time. I appreciate it, Bill. I appreciate you being on. We had to postpone this uh, for some personal stuff that I had going on and then uh, you hung in there with me and I appreciate that. So thank you for doing that. And uh, I'll actually be seeing you next month. So it won't be that long here. We'll be, we'll be together. I know. I can't wait. And I think, uh, I think I'm talking about something similar. So <laughs> I hope I didn't give away all the secrets. Don't listen to this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't listen. Listen, don't listen to this till after October. No, yeah. we're going to preempt it and just totally drain all the fun out of that event. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Justin, <laughs> gonna, for listening. Anyways, yeah, that's what we could say. That's flip hacking live. I mean, there's, I'm not trying to be secretive or anything. So we're going to be a flip hacking live. If you don't know about it, shoot me an email. I'll tell you about it. But otherwise, Bill, thanks. I appreciate you being on, man. I, you're a good friend and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to my audience. So I'll be talking to you in a month and take it easy, man. All right, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Guys, before we go, one quick thought. One thing that I've learned in real estate over the last few years, and it's a really a, a recent discovery for me, is I am struggling and I have struggled over the years with keeping track of my books for my business, right? It's one of the thing it's a less it's a one of the less sexy aspects of real estate and it's nothing that you ever see, you know, talked about or the gurus don't really talk about it, but doing your books properly will make your life so much better at the end of the year and at tax season. It's not something like I said that people talk about a lot because it's not exciting, it doesn't get people excited, but I can tell you what 
is the opposite of getting excited is being completely miserable. And I know that in the past, I have been miserable at tax time because I didn't know where to start. I was sort of like kind of halfway getting things to my accountant and it was a real disaster. So if you want to avoid all of that headache, you need to hire a bookkeeper and I am using the best. I am using a company that I actually personally trained them to understand this business and to learn and know how to keep the books properly for real estate investors. I sort of trained them in real estate and they applied that to the books so that my bookkeeping is completely hands-off. They do everything. They get everything ready for the account at the end of the year, and you just basically hand over the information. It's so easy. They're pay they my 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 bookkeepers like pay contractors and give me reports on my business, the status, a PL, a balance sheet. They can run reports and tell you exactly where you are all the time and keep track of all the money going in and out. Guys, these guys are the best. I highly suggest that you check them out. If you go to reibooksonline.com, you can go and see what they're about. Uh, we can you, you can get in touch with them and, 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 and talk to them and find out if, if it's a good fit for you. But if you go to reibooksonline.com, you can get a hold of them there. And guys, you'll be glad you did because, like I said, it's not one of the more sexy things to talk about in real estate, but it is one of the most overlooked and recklessly handled area of real estate that I've I've seen in all my years. So check them out, and I think you'll be very happy that you did. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. 